Carbach Brewing Company presents Sports Talk 790 Astroline. The official preseason show of Astros baseball. World Series champion. This is where we talk about your champs. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline. Championship City. Live from Duffy's Sports Bar in West Palm Beach, Florida. Sports Talk 790 Astro Line starts now. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Astro Line presented by Carbon Brewing Company. We are live from Duffy Sports Grill, downtown West Palm Beach on Clematis Street. This is it. This is our last Astro Line of the offseason, which means we are just one week and one day away from opening day 2018 and we have a very special guest for our last astro line show he is baseball america's manager of the year his team won 101 regular season games and then took it all in the world championship ladies and gentlemen aj hinch wow what an intro hey well you deserve it <laughs> when you guys line up one week from tomorrow yep on that First baseline, or excuse me, on the third baseline at uh, Globe Life Park in Arlington. Do you feel like the guys you are lining up with to start 2018 may even be better than the guys you lined up with in 2017 at Dodger Stadium for the World Series? Yes, I do. I do think we're better. I think. I think we're. First off, we're a year older. We've got a little bit more experience. I think the some of the holes that we had even last season we have been answered through some trades and a few signings. And then and then you look at. Um, just sort of the swagger that our guys have had after after winning it, kind of understanding what we believe in. Um, it's been a pretty productive spring so far, and I think we'll I think we're better. What right now? Uh, spring training can be a bit of Groundhog Day. Uh, it's the same thing repeated over and over. But right, what right now is the focus? Is it basically the last roster spot? Are there one or two spots still? There's probably two spots that are available. Um, one opened up when Yuli Gurriel was suspended for five games, and then he he, he broke his hamate, so um, he may miss a little bit more time. So the first base job is, I should say, that an, an extra position player job is open. Um, and now there's a little brewing, you know, uh, competition between Tony Kemp and Derek Fisher for the for the outfield spot that rotates in with Jake Marisnik and, and George Springer and Josh Reddick. So um, if Marwin Gonzalez plays first base, that opens up a little bit of playing time in the outfield. If um, if Marwin ends up playing left field, then obviously the first base competition with Tyler White and J.D. Davis is a little bit more interesting. But the reality is it's a hard, it's a hard team to make. Um, we're going to get healthier when Gurriel gets back in the first couple weeks of April. But, um, you know, right now it's it's one or two decisions, but it's mostly just keep these guys in a bubble. Let's get to the season. Is one roster spot tied to the other, or are they completely independent decisions? Pretty independent. Yeah. You know, I think in, 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 in general we want to do with the best interest of each guy. I mean, if we're, I guess there's some strategy involved if you're going to play every day in left field. And, you know, Derek Fisher is a little bit more equipped to play every single day if it's a bench role. Um, Tony Kep fits fits a little bit better, but we want our guys to be able to contribute from the very beginning, you know. For, and we want to get off to a good start. I think that's one thing that we've learned. And in my three years here, in 15 we got off to a great start, made the playoffs. In 16 we got off to a terrible start, didn't make the playoffs. In 17 we got off to a good start, won the World Series. So I, um, obviously every game matters, and you can make up for lost ground in April, but. Um, a good April can set you up for a nice summer. A.J. Hinch is our guest tonight on our final Astro line of the year, getting ready for opening day one week from tomorrow. Uh, you have a nice 
quintet of, of pitchers to start the season, and then you've got guys like Brad Peacock and Colin McHugh uh, in your bullpen. It, basically, the pitching staff pretty set at this point. It is. You know, we, we, we feel really good about our rotation. Um, Garrett Coltrade made a big a big impact in the rotation. Lance McCullers being healthy, uh, Dallas Keuchel being healthy, Justin Verlander for a full year, Charlie Morton. Uh, coming off an incredible World Series, we'll, we'll, we'll round out the rotation. And then, you you know, for us to have to send Colin McHugh and Brad Peacock to the bullpen, that's, I guess, first-world problems, high-class <laughs> problems, whatever you want to say, because it um, they're hard conversations, but at the same time, um, that's the reality of how deep our pitching staff is. And, and those will fill important roles. I and mean, I could see Brad Peacock pitching anywhere, you know, from the fifth or sixth inning if a starter's in trouble all the way to the ninth inning um, if needed. And, and to have versatility like that is pretty pretty important what is you guys made it look easy last year in the postseason at least your your pitchers did going from starting roles to to closing out games for you uh but for colin to do it from the beginning of the season that's that's a difficult transition for a guy who's yeah it's it's hard for McHugh in general because he's he's just a different no every guy's different it doesn't mean that you're going to pick up velocity or be able to 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 pitch back-to-back days i mean colin McHugh has pitched every five days for most of his major league career for sure um and most of his professional career so it it's different going to the bullpen and asking a guy to be hot and cold and then hot again. Um, we never know when those opportunities are going to come up. But the reality is when we, we have a full starting rotation, these guys want to contribute. They want to pitch important innings. The better they pitch, the more important innings they'll pitch. Um, but it, it'll be an adjustment for McHugh on how, how many days in a row he can pitch or how often I can use him. Brad Peacock, a little bit more experienced and in a little bit more of a resilient arm that can, can fill different roles and pitch maybe multiple days in a row. Your starters this spring, and I know they're getting their work in, but they've also been getting great results. Uh, Lance today. Uh, Justin's a guy, Verlander's a guy that hasn't always started strong in the last few years, but he has seemed to be locked in from the start. Uh, it seems like every guy's building off the guy before him. Yeah, there, there's been a starter, too, that hasn't been perfect, but for, for the most part, they, they do build off of one another, and they also come, they came to spring training probably more prepared to compete in games than I anticipated. I thought there would be a little bit of a hangover because we pitched into into November. I mean, the last game was on November 1st. So, um, but but when you look back at that, Lance McCullers had a broken season. Justin Verlander was one of the only guys that went wire to wire last season. Dallas Keuchel had a broken season. Charlie Morton did. Garrett Cole stopped playing. You know, when the season ended in the regular season with Pittsburgh. So there, there maybe we didn't have as many uh, mileage on the on the on the tires, so to speak, when we when we got to spring training and. And they were more prepared to handle the spring workload. We thought we'd have to be a little more careful with them. And yet, today, Lance pitches into the sixth inning, the last week of spring training. Uh, McHugh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Verlander has already pitched six solid innings. Keiko threw six innings yesterday in a minor league game. So um, they're more equipped going into April than we have been the last couple seasons. A.J. Hinch, our guest tonight on Astro Line from Duppies on Clematis Street. And A.J.'s week and every other person associated with the Astros week started out pretty well when Jose Altuve (laughs) signed a five-year contract extension on top of the two years already existing. And here is Altuve at the beginning of this week. I want to say that this is a very important day for me, and I thank God. I I thank my family. You know, they're supposed to be here, so they're here. But the most important thing for me right now is those guys are there in the neck being, being here, you know. Those guys, they don't, they don't have to be here. They're here because they want. And let me tell you something, guys. You guys made my day, and you made me more nervous because I don't like talking in front of a lot of people. You know that. But, you know, thank you. Thank you, Springer. Thank you, Marwin. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you, all of you guys. And, you know, and now going back to you, Jess, it was a priority. 
because that way it doesn't take you know attention from the season and you know everything is down here now I'm gonna go there and just hold my team and play baseball. That was Jose encapsulated in one soundbite. Everything about his personality. <laughs> the best. Yeah, he is the best. And and the funny part about it, you know what came out of that was the players really enjoyed being out there for him and and we wanted to surprise him and have have the support behind him, but. Um, Carlos Correa reminded him as he went line by line, he stopped right at Correa and didn't thank him. So uh, his double play partner got a little a little, uh, little jab in at Altuve after he signed the deal. But he's he's telling the truth when he talks about not wanting to say things in front of the, the team or not wanting to say things in front of a lot of people. But um, I've used this phrase over and over again. He is everything that's right about the Astros. If he... Everything he does is a, is a perfect example of how we want to be as an organization. One of the things you mentioned, how they had fun with each other, that before I joined this team last year, just watching them as a visiting broadcaster, I noticed the joy and passion that Correa and Altuve and Springer and go down the line that they play with. And even today when, when Correa made the play to first and didn't flip it to Jose, there was some banter between them. Uh, last year, McCann had more steals at the midway point of the season than George Springer. and, and Brian let made, him know it. Brian made, <laughs> so will this year, will this spring, since BMAC's still looking for his first hit, if he gets his first hit, is somebody going to call from the ball for the ball? For the so, t- <laughs> absolutely. I've never been in a spring training where an everyday player hasn't gotten a hit, and we're starting to challenge that with BMAC. But um, this team is, is, is the closest group that I've ever, in 20 years in the big leagues that I've ever seen um, as a player, as a coach, as a front office executive, now as a manager. Um, they really do enjoy being around each other. And, and most good teams will say that, but we actually do it. And if you come out and watch, um, whether it's you know Springer's personality come out or, or Correa and Altuve and the banter that comes, you know, they're like brothers that are fighting out there. Um, there's great brotherhood on this team, and, and, and you see it with, uh, with, with every single day kind of growing and, and seeing how good we can get. And, and when, when other players walk in, when Justin Verlander walked in last September and Garrett Cole walks in as a first-timer this year. Um, it's amazing to hear their reaction to, to how things are because they're shocked at how um, how unique this clubhouse is. Is there a difference with Justin being here all spring? Even as a veteran, I, I think jumping into a situation where team's very good, they're already going to go to the postseason, you don't establish yourself right away, but has he established himself a little different? Well, our parking lot got a lot a lot better because he brings some pretty fancy cars to the, <laughs> to the parking lot, but... It's it's different with him um, because he's, you know, he, he's got a big personality and he's got a ton of of, of experience. Uh, he's got a, he's got enough humility to where he knows he needs to get better in a couple different ways. But he also has a lot of respect for what Dallas has done. Um, you know, even when I broke the news to him that he was going to pitch opening day, one of his first questions is whether or not I'd talk to Dallas and what Dallas's reaction was. And that, to me, for a guy who's probably going to the Hall of Fame. He's had a storied career. He's got you know plenty left in the tank as he's throwing like 96 miles an hour in the spring. There, there's some there's some some love that comes with um, how he goes about. It. He, all he wants to do is win. His preparation's off the chart. I can see him interact with McCullers about his breaking ball or, or Dallas about his pre, you know pre pre pitching routine or um, Charlie Morton or even the young kids. I mean, he took a couple of young kids out to dinner here um, in beautiful West Palm, and that. That, that type of influence is, can't, you can't, can't fake it. You either have it or you don't. You are listening to Astro Line presented by the Carbach Brewing Company. We are here at Duffy's in West Palm Beach on Clematis Street. A.J. Hinch is our guest tonight. Brian McCann caught Lance McCullers today, caught Justin Verlander uh, to begin the week on Monday. Uh, have you, you now are 
apparently going to cat- have three catchers on your opening day roster. Have you set a, a target number between you and Brian as to how many games you'd like to see him catch so that he is fresh, <laughs> assuming you get back to the postseason? Yeah, I, I, we have. I mean, a little bit, but not a lot. I mean, you don't really know how things are going to play out. We're going to carry three catchers, and, and, and that will help ease the burden for, for BMAC because I – you know, I know that at the end of the season last year, he had done everything he could have to stay on the field and, and, and be there. And after, whatever, 14 years of catching in the big leagues, it's, it's going to have some wear and tear. Um, but, I, but I think we're going to be able to ease that burden. Now, I would tell you, he doesn't want to give up too many games, and he's going to want to play a lot. Uh, but maybe not three days in a row or certainly not a day game after a night game. And, and I can match up things a little bit to, uh, to keep guys fresh. And that's, that's, again, a credit to Jeff for building the team this way is when, when I can replace – uh, Brian McCann with a with a quality guy, or and this goes on with the position players. When I can put Marwin Gonzalez in, I'm not really dropping off of even Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa up the middle, and that that type of depth is um, is pretty unique. That I that no matter who I'm replacing um, with a Marwin Gonzalez or with a Max Stassi or Fedorovich, whoever makes the team, there's there's some comfort that they're going to be good performers. How far in advance, maybe you've already done it, of the Rangers series, do you start to write down names you want in the lineup? And do you do it for because of the first series is a four-gamer and you want guys to stay fresh coming out of spring training? Do you do it for the whole series? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, if Bannister would tell me who he's going to start, that would make it a little <laughs> bit easier for me. I, I've already named our four starters, so I think out of common courtesy he could tell me. But um, You, you know, know Cole. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think okay, we got Hamels and then, and then a, a couple other guys, but I – I know who's going to start opening day. I right. have a good idea of, 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 the, of the guys that I want. And I want to get everybody, maybe not necessarily a start, but at least into the game in the first four games because they go from playing every single day to potentially not playing for a week. And I, I specifically remember in 2016 I had a hard time getting Jake Marisnik into the lineup uh, to start the season. We were trying to get some guys up and running, and he kind of ended up being the odd man out. And he'd look up, and he hadn't played for 10 days, and then he goes in the, into the lineup and doesn't do much. Um, that's equally as much my fault as is the player. So I try to make a commitment that I'm going to use everybody in the first four games. Now, I want to make sure we win those four games and, and, and I have the best matchups. But um, I'll, I'll get these guys up and running. I always find it amusing in baseball, such a long season, when people talk about must-win games, especially if it's not the last week of the season. Uh, but I think there are tone-setting games and maybe tone-setting series. And after getting beat by the Rangers in 2015 and 16 at a pretty big rate, you guys – took the first three games from them at Minute Maid Park last year. You also ended the season at their place and, and beat them up pretty good. Right. At that point, they were out of it, and you guys sure. were, were charging toward the title. Can this first series be a tone-setting series early on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's it's a rivalry. I mean, we don't like them, and they don't like us, and there's there's certain rivalries that are that kind of bring the best out of you. But, um, you know, you try not to look too much into it. I mean, we have 162 game view of it. So if you you know if you start out 4-0, it's great. If you start out 1-3 or 0-4, it's not the end of the world, but um, you know, I think there'll be a little extra edge for us because it's the Rangers, because it's starting the season. Um, we're playing at their place. We don't get to hang the banner in front of them or don't get to get our World Series rings in front of them. But um, there's enough there's enough rivalry there that, that I think both teams are going to want to stay claim as to, as to, you know, who the best team is, Texas first, and then ultimately who's who's going to win the division. We are just getting rolling on Astro Line tonight. A.J. Hinch is our guest, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, live on Clematis Street, downtown West Palm Beach. We'll have more after this on the Astros Radio Network. noticed i know you have been calling it on the radio we've had times where we have four outfielders we have times where we have 
four infielders on the right side of the infield. So it gives AJ and the coaching staff an opportunity to try a few new things that we may or may not do during the season. Uh, we'll stay tuned. We'll find out. Uh, but everybody's getting ready, and that we're playing crisp baseball. You know, I was in spring training. You, you figure out who wins the first half of the game because that's where the veterans are playing and who wins the second half, and that's where the prospects are playing. And, you know, back in 13-14, we used to win the second half all the time, but we'd get crushed in the first half. And, you know, now we're winning the first half, and quite frankly, our guys are holding their own in the second half as well. All right, that was Jeff Luno, the general manager of the Houston Astros. We are live from Duffy's in downtown West Palm Beach on Clematis Street. Todd Cowles with our special guest tonight, A.J. Hinch. This is... Astro Line presented by the Carbach Brewing Company. We just heard from Jeff, and he was talking about the pot, you know, four guys on the right side. And four, you played three, four defense again today with, with Matt Adams, where he's looking at four outfielders. Just looking at it in spring training, he said it may or may not continue in the regular season. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of like it. I mean, number one, I've, we've done it a couple times. Um, I mean, the goal of all shifting is to play where they're going to hit the ball. And it's not where they're going to hit the ball all the time, but it is. You know the, the the best opportunity to play where they're where they're going to do it. So when you have a guy like Matt Adams with a kind of a steep uppercut. He's a guy that hits the ball in the air a lot. Same with Jay Bruce. Same with Justin Bohr with the Marlins. Like we've been able to to, to, to look at it a little bit and see, um, you know, just what it looks like. Now what I've noticed is it it kind of messes with the psyche of the hitter. Um, they start to try to do extra things that they can't really do, and um, that helps and, and and it impacts people. Today was a good example. We we played four infielders on the right side of second base, and Miguel Montero sent a message over to me. Now, Miguel played for me in Arizona, okay. and he was like, I don't like it. You're embarrassing me because I can't hit the ball to the left side of the infield. So um, the players will notice we're trying to get the most outs as we can, and when you put put them in a position, you have to practice it first, and it's easy to practice it now because I don't really care what happens um, as a result, but in, in, the, in the season it will be a little bit more strategic. Uh, but we'll see. Stay tuned. I think we'll play it a little bit. I don't think we'll play the four outfielders in Minute Maid because it's a small outfield. I think we might play four infielders if the guys don't. If the guy can't handle the bat and can't hit the ball to the left side, I'm not going to play anybody over there. But four outfielders in a bigger outfield on the road, possibly? Yeah, maybe Texas. You know, I can see Texas when we, we mean, Joey Gallo's a, a guy who hits the ball in the air a lot. Now, a lot of the balls he hits in the air leave the ballpark, which is not which is not good. But, um, I, you know, I'm not sure why you would defend an area where they don't hit the ball. And so that's where you see until they change the rules and they're not allowed to do it. We're going to test the waters and see if it's a it's the right opportunity. As opposed to picking names out of a hat, which worked against Alex Brigman <laughs> last year, he was the natural guy to be the outfielder of the infielders. A little bit, you know. Marwin Gonzalez is probably the best the best of that group to do that. We're playing JD, JD Davis out there a little bit. Um, Correa and Altuve will not go to the outfield. <laughs> I'm not going to change gloves with with Yuli or whoever's playing at first base. So it's really going to fall to the third baseman, and um, the guys are having fun with it. You know, we 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 haven't quite. Can converted that into a big out or anything in the in the spring, but if I can get them comfortable doing it now, I can get it. I can do it later. Um, it, you know, you just want it to be for the right reasons. And you mentioned it, it has an effect with the Montero story, but even the game before with Jay Bruce, I mean, he was flustered. Change his swing. He was flustered. He to, was to hit the ball that way. He was, and I know, you know, a lot of people who watch baseball their whole lives don't understand why somebody can't just bunt or why they can't just hit the ball the other way. But if they don't. Um, then we're just not going to make the adjustment, put a lot of pressure on them. Once they start beating us, obviously there'll be a call to, to, to make a change. But um, just like anything in, in, in the probability world, if they just if they continue to pull the ball, I'm going to put as many defenders over there as we can. It's funny, when we talk about shifts, the, the one guy who did better against the shift than anybody else, not only in the Astros, but in the major leagues in terms of 
a better percentage of hits with the shift than, it, than without the shift. It was Josh Reddick. Mm-hmm. And, and this time last year, everybody was asking, well, how much are you going to play him against left-handers? And then today. I mean, maybe all the time now. <laughs> today. today, lefty triple, lefty mm-hmm. homer, lefty single. Then he didn't give him a chance for the cycle. I'm sure he no. was okay with that. But He was perfectly fine in spring training. But, but the, this time last year, you weren't 100% certain, and he obviously proved proved that he can he can handle he left. can he can and i and i think we label players a lot without giving them a reason why and i think there are certain lefties that are tougher matchups than others but they're in a lot of ways you know you know how do you beat clayton kershaw you put lefties in the lineup because he's not used to doing it every other manager puts righties in there and he gets in a comfort zone he has his little nasty breaking ball and fastball change up um sometimes sprinkling in a lefty who's comfortable is a good thing so reddit can can handle certain lefties. I, I know the style of left-handers that he doesn't hit well. Those are the ones you're going to see him maybe sit, and you'll see Jake Marisnik or Marwin Gonzalez or somebody else in the outfield. But um, Reddick makes a, makes a case for him being able to handle the bat, uh, use the whole field, and, and stay on pitches. And the more that he's, he, as an Astro at least, the more he's faced left-handed pitching, the better he's done. So uh, maybe we shouldn't platoon him. <laughs> and Gio Gonzalez, who seems to have a good relationship with a few of the guys on the team, couldn't have pitched any worse luck today. His team defensively didn't help him out. And that ball that Reddick hit out, you had the best angle of anybody. That was foul, right? I think <laughs> it, was, it might have been foul. It was but, a foul ball, right? But the umpire called it fair and no replay in the spring, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle the bases. Uh, speaking of umpires, is there some clarification now, or will there, still, will there still be some clarification between now and opening day as to exactly what can and can't happen for this new mound visit rule? Uh, no, I think I don't think we know until you actually get into games that matter because um, you can count them all you want in spring training. There just aren't as many trips. The strategy is not the same. Um, we don't quite know how it's going to be and how the umpires are going to interpret it. The, the unique part of this is most of the time they give the rules to the umpires in October and November at, a, at an umpire retreat. They work on them all winter, and then they implement them in the spring. We got them at the same time the umpires did right at the beginning of spring training. So I think there are more questions and answers in that. Uh, Joe Torrey and Peter Woodfork and the guys at MLB have, have sent out examples and sent out things to try to make people feel better about it. But um, it will probably be an ejection or two, or there will be some arguments, and, and there will be some confusion, just like there is any rule change. But I really do think it's much ado about nothing. I don't think it's going to impact uh, a ton of things other than make people conscious of not running out there for no reason but run out there with a purpose. Yeah, the one unfortunate situation is that or, or development because of this new rules you're not going to have as much fun with all those infielders in there for the huddles it, it can be entertaining at times especially with the group you have Bregman and Correa and Altuve and uh, Yuli and, and of course Bregman learned to speak and, and speak Spanish fluently so that added to the conversations as well we do have a question from our audience our first winner tonight is a question about Yuli uh, you mentioned he's recovering so the, the timeline is there any update on the timeline and once Yuli is healthy uh, is it first base only? You're still planning to, to move him around? Yeah, one of the disappointments of the injury was that we weren't able to play him at, at second and third a little bit like we were going to do this spring and just keep keep his versatility alive. I've, I've really liked what Marwin Gonzalez has turned into, um, and that's made me want to keep Bregman moving around the infield, keep Yuli moving around the infield. It makes for um, a lot of easier decisions for me to do a couple things. But um, his timeline is, is starting to get better and better the more that he's doing. He, he hit on the field yesterday, a little soft toss. Well, I see the ball carry into the outfield. He's taking ground balls and doing his running and doing everything to where, um, you know, he's, he's going to progress hopefully in the games next week, probably in the minor leagues, um, while we go went back to Houston and play our exhibition game. So um, we know he's going to miss the first five games. We don't know if it's going to be beyond that because he hasn't gotten into live competition yet. He, he is missing some reps. He hasn't faced live pitching. 
um, you know, since the, the, the latter part of, of, of February. Um, so we'll see how he, how he bounces back. But um, I, think that, I think the timeline will be closer to the start of the season than we first expected. That is a question from Donna. So congratulations. You're our first winner tonight. Thank you, Donna. Um, what, what is the rule with, with the suspension with the five game and him rehabbing, and how can that – when does the clock start? So we can't um, – he can't serve both of them at the same time. So it, it will start with a suspension, and then we'll have to decide on the DL if he's capable of playing at the end of the suspension. So – um, I'm not sure which comes first. That'll be the front office's decision. If if he doesn't look like he's going to be healthy, we may put him on the DL first and then have him serve um, after the DL. But um, right now, I think the plan is for him to to, uh, to to serve a suspension as soon as possible and then make a determination on whether or not he's capable of playing at the major league level. Is first base as much as you know Tyler Wright can play a lot of different positions and JD you know third base was his position. Is first base uh, the uh, the key spot for those two guys when you finally break it down? I mean that's that's a tough competition because they offer you a little bit different skill set. Yeah, I think I think the bat is probably more important than the than the D. I know they both <clears throat> can stand at first base, but Marwin Gonzalez is going to have something to say about that. So um, I think Marwin is going to play a lot of first base and and in the outfield with Jake Marisnik and. Either Tony Kemp or Derek Fisher will fill out with, with Springer and Reddick, and, and we have kind of plenty of options out there. I'd love Marwin at first base, specifically when Keiko pitches, and that's our best ground ball defense that we have. Um, same with McCullers, who can get the ball on the ground quite a bit. So I'll match it up a little bit more pitcher-friendly with them. So they both can play first. I have complete confidence in that. But the bench bat, maybe pinch hitting for a left-handed hitter when a left-handed pitcher comes in, or maybe... Uh, you know, putting putting together a pretty good at bat against a high end closer. That's that's the role that I see for JD or Tyler at the beginning of the season. AJ Hinch, our guest tonight on Astro Line, presented by the Carbach Brewing Company. We are at Duffy's on Clematis Street in downtown West Palm Beach. Uh, you mentioned how tight this clubhouse is and how fun it is, and it is a great group. Just talking about Yuli made me think about this because when I first came over the offseason going into 2017, I heard, well, Yuli's kind of quiet. He keeps to himself. And then last year, his personality just came to the forefront. And now he's one of the funnest guys to be around on the team. Everybody loves him. Uh, you've done some things in spring training because it is, like I said earlier, a little bit like mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. You do some things to keep the team loose. And, and uh, I know batting stance guy was a big hit not too long yeah. ago. But that's that's kind of that's important to you, isn't it? It is, it is because it's, you know, I talk all the time about the inside of the clubhouse is a is a is a time for us to have fun. It's time to laugh. It's a time. There's some baseball talk in there. Um, but it's sort of your, your, your culture, your chemistry, your camaraderie is in there. And then when you go out in the field, it's all about baseball. Um, you kind of can't have one without the other. I mean, we can sta- sit in there and talk baseball all the time, but um, we do that for, for however many days in a row. So we, we'll do some fun things. We usually stand up some of the rookie guys and have them introduce themselves to the team. And I usually have a little bit of background info for them. And then what I end up doing is having a veteran player do something positive for a young guy. For example, Brad Peacock had to take Riley Farrell fishing. <laughs> Um, off the coast of, of, of West Palm here, they go out and I think they caught like an eight-foot sailfish. Wow! Um, that they reeled in over an hour and a half or so. So that that will Peacock just bring can them do everything. Together. Peacock can do it all. He can start. <laughs> he can close. He can catch fish. There's, um, he's a local guy here, so he's he's pretty much a celebrity around here. So um, you know, other times will be a, a dinner with um, Armin Taros, one of our best young prospects. In the and he he had dinner with Justin Verlander and Dallas Keuchel and Colin McHugh. And those they wouldn't naturally do that if you didn't kind of bring them. Uh, into the fold a little bit and introduce them to your clubhouse and and you know I mandated George Springer bought Miles Straw a wardrobe, um, <laughs> what which, you get which it comes when you sign a big deal usually you have to do something with money so um, there, that you know it's my own way of trying to connect the left side of the clubhouse with the right side of the clubhouse or the 
uh, the young guys and the old guys, and, and it seems to work well. When we come back, we'll hear from A.J. Hinch as we continue with Astro Line, presented by the Carbach Brewing Company. You mentioned Armand Terrells. We'll hear about some other young players that caught your eye, and we'll have more from West Palm Beach as Astro Line rolls on after these messages. And Tucker drives this one deep to right field. Ball is hooking, going toward the corner now, and watching it go is Castillo. A three-run home run for Kyle Tucker, his third home run of the spring. And the Astros' lead is 9-3. to three. Sit around for a few hours, take a fastball for a strike slider into the wheelhouse, and you don't miss it. He's making some kind of impression in Major League Spring training camp with the power. That's his third of the spring. Not bad for Ted. <laughs> Robert Ford, Steve Sparks with a call on another Kyle Tucker home run, nicknamed Ted, this spring. <laughs> uh, we welcome you back to Astro Live, presented by the Carbach Brewing Company. We're at Duffy's in West Palm Beach, along with A.J. Hinch. A.J., uh, Sparks made a great point there, Sparky did in, in that call, in that he sits around the whole game, and then he still leads your team in every offensive category when he gets in. <laughs> he's young enough. He can do it. He, he's supposed to sit the bench for a while and, and then come off the bench, and, and then I have to remind the older guys who don't get to see it because they're gone by then uh, what he did. But what a great impression that he, that he had. You know, we had Preston mm-hmm. Tucker on our team the last couple seasons, and now he's, he's moved on to the Braves. But um, it's funny to see his brother come here, and they're completely different. I mean, he's, I mean, Kyle's very tall, yep. um, kind of rangy in the outfield. They both have um, kind of unique batting stances, unique swings. But Kyle Tucker came in, you know, just kind of with his eyes open and, and his mouth closed and, and put up incredible numbers to where people started asking me questions like, is he going to make our team? Should he be, you know, our everyday left fielder? And um, the answer is not yet, but it's going to be soon because he, he can do a lot of things on the field. And, and the way that he went about his business, he showed a little bit of maturity. Obviously, the boys had fun with him, nicknaming him Ted. Um, from his, his, his draft season, um, the, the, the commentators on MLB Network called him Ted Williams. So if he lives up to Ted Williams, his reputation, he'll be just fine. AJ, when you think about where he might start the season, uh, you used to run the minor league systems in the past. What's the advantage to starting at either AA or AAA for him? Um, I would say it's it's not a huge difference. I think the the... You know, double A is a level that, that at the beginning of the season is very, very difficult. You know, the top prospects are going there. Um, it's kind of high-end competition. Before the, the, the guys get promoted to triple A, it was probably not a better league in the minor leagues and except for, um, you know, double A for about the first two months. So there's an argument that he's going to face better competition by going to double A. He's going to face a little different style of competition where you have high-end velocity, high-end breaking balls. There's going to be top prospects. There's going to be, you know, when you look at the likes of, of – you know, uh, like velocity-driven type guys. Those are guys who usually go to double-A. The veteran guys, the maybe guys with major league service that have a little bit more trickery to them, they're, they're maybe not as high-end, uh, but more experience is going to be in triple-A. So you know, one is, is, is not necessarily better than the other as much as it is, you know, how do we continue the ascent through the minor leagues where he continues to have success but gets pushed in the areas in which he needs to get better at. Um, that'll be determined over the next 10 days. One of the intriguing things, if you come down as a fan to spring training and you can see some of these young players, uh, is you get to see guys before they become superstars. And whether it's a Ronald Acuna Jr. or a Victor Robles from the Braves or the Nationals, respectively, or Kyle Tucker from your team, to me, they're, they're all 20 and 21 years old, and they all seem to like the spotlight. 
and that can be a big factor as to when you might think he's ready for the big. Well, these kids, they're, they're they're high profile from the beginning. Now, there's a lot more attention on these guys when they first sign or when they get into the into the pro system, you know. But I still remember in 15 when I when I got this job in 2015, we were still in Kissimmee, and there was a young kid named Lance McCullers who came over to throw a couple breaking balls to to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and all of a sudden caught some attention, like, hey, who is this guy, and how how can he help us? And then he started a game against the Marlins later that spring, and then he came in and faced the the Kansas City Royals in the exhibition series, and the next thing you know, he's pitching in the in the playoffs in 2015. So there there are those stories are all over the place when when they were when they were you know maybe popular with the prospect ranks, but hadn't quite broken through. You put them up on the same field with some big leaguers, and all of a sudden they grab your attention. Um, that's kind of what Kyle Tucker has done this this spring, where you start putting them with Springer and Reddick in the outfield, and you're like, huh, that looks pretty good. Um, but he needs to develop in these other areas. We'll focus on that for the first, you know, few weeks to few months of the season, and then see if he can help us. Jeff has been, Jeff Luno's been very aggressive in promoting guys, even though I know there's a, nowadays there's a lot of tension of, you know, the dates and when the guy can come up and when he can't come up. But we brought up Lance McCullers from Double A. We brought up Carlos Correa before his 21st birthday. We brought up Alex Bregman without a year of service in the minor leagues, and that. That to me is an aggressive GM that doesn't mind doesn't mind pushing it a little bit. And last year, your 21 year old on your roster was Francis Martez, who, if he could have found the strike zone a little more consistent, consistently, may have been a factor in the postseason. Unfortunately, you know, that's part of the growing pains. But he's not going to make the team this year. But what what are the plans for him? He'll see it. He'll see he'll see Houston soon. I mean, he's a guy that um, it, he really got pushed through the minor league last year because we we called him up because of we had five starters on the DL. Right. I mean, we had Dallas was hurt, Lance was hurt, Charlie was hurt, Joe Musgrove was in our rotation. He got hurt. Um, we had Mike Fires was still in the rotation and doing some. Colin McHugh was hurt. And so Francis Martez had to step up and, and log some innings along with David Polino and some, some younger guys. And so I, I think our, our goal is to get him back in the development track to where he will be an effective major league pitcher when he gets here. I, you know, I think he has stuff to be anywhere from a frontline starting pitcher to a back-end closer. But he needs to develop the the, 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 the pace of play and the, and the delivery needs to be sync up. And he needs to be able to land his breaking ball for a strike and not just overthrow to the point of trying to dominate every hitter. And, I, and he's going to start on Saturday against the Red Sox. We're going to continue to stay with us until the end of spring. But um, he could be called up as soon as next week if we had an injury or we had an opening because his stuff is that good. Last year, you started opening day. Brad Peacock got the start against the Tigers in Lakeland. And this year, you started opening day on sp- in spring training with a guy that has been slowly moving his way. He wasn't the meteoric rising star early like some of these other young prospects we, prospects we just talked about. But Rogelio Armenteros has opened up some eyes this spring. What do you, he, what do you see about him? Well, he, first off, he's really he's a kind of pitcher first and stuff second. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean it's bad stuff. He still right. throws in the low 90s. He's got a good changeup. can break, throw a breaking ball. Um, but his story is, is that he hasn't been a top prospect. He's had to pitch his way through the minor leagues. Um, he's from Cuba. He, he, he had a battle to even get out of Cuba and get into the professional ranks. Um, and he just continues to get outs and strike out guys. I think he led our minor leagues in strikeouts last year. And he's doing it without sort of the 95 to 100 fastball. It's more of the 90 to 92. Um, he's a pitcher. And, and kind of a throwback to how guys used to pitch with changing speeds and, and moving locations. So... Um, he's going to come to Houston and pitch in the exhibition series against the, the Brewers, uh, probably in the second game on the day game. But um, he's made a nice impression to where, you know, last year when we did call up some guys, we said the names Martez, we said the name Polino. We've, 
Um, we've put Brad Peacock into the rotation. I think you're going to see Armenteros pitch out of the pen or in the rotation for us when the time comes. Is the plan for the rest of the, the, the spring, and including the exhibition games, for guys like Morton and Cole to get one more stretched out start and everybody else kind of back off their final outing? We will. The, Morton um, is going to start tomorrow. Right. Um, and then he'll get one more start um, in the exhibition series against the, the Brewers. We started his camp a little bit later than some. Um, Cole's going to get a start on Friday night, and then he doesn't pitch again until game four of the season, so there's going to be a long stretch for him. The other guys have already been built up to 85, 90 pitches. They'll have their next start. Justin Verlander will have a, sl- a, a short start this Saturday. Dallas Keuchel will have a short start on Sunday. Lance McCullers will have a short start in the first game back uh, against the Brewers on the exhibition series. So they're all individualized with what we're doing, but we'll – We'll try to just make sure that they're teed up, ready to go for the season. All right, we have one more week to go in the exhibition season. Opening day is one week from tomorrow afternoon in Arlington against the Texas Rangers. We have more Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing Company after this. You know, when we got in the playoffs a couple of years ago, we started getting the fans back. You know, having our fan support is critical. You know, if it gives us the option to really, you know, execute on a lot of these deals with the, with the fan support and winning. Winning means everything. And, you know, we told the fans we were building the team to last, and we want to keep building on that and keep bringing the guys up and keep, uh, you know, keep the team moving forward and, and get, the, get the fans in the ballpark and keep the interest high. So I think you're going to have to see another great year this year. You know, we got to stay healthy, get in the playoffs, and then see what happens. But this team's determined, I think, to, to continue to win. That's the owner of the Houston Astros, Jim Crane, as we welcome you back to Astro Live, presented by the Carbach Brewing Company. Todd Callis, our special guest tonight, is A.J. Hinch. We are live from Duffy's in West Palm Beach on Clematis. And uh, you have an owner like that. And I'll, I'll take it back to last year. I think the reason... Justin Verlander was a more sought after at the trade deadline was simply because of the contract that he had remaining. And uh, Jim made the commitment then. He made the commitment on Monday to Jose Altuve. And that sets the tone for what could be a, a, a nice situation here for a number of years. Yeah, it does. And, and, and one thing you learn about Jim is he loves to win. And, and he, he backs the things that he says. And, and he said, when even when I got hired here, he was talking about um, what his expectations are. You don't you don't kind of tiptoe around Jim. He tells you exactly what he expects. He, he, I know he wants to make the playoffs. I know he wants to go to the World Series again. And and, and one of the most gratifying parts of 2017 was right after we won in, in L.A. Um, you look up in the front row, and he was there with his wife, Whitney, and his family, and, and they were embracing. And it was probably the first time in my three years here where I've seen Jim smile and relax and, and feel like he accomplished something because the, the, the organization that he's built, was on top of the mountain at that point, and, and you want to reward a guy like that. Yeah, and it's it set up. We talked at the very first question about how talented this 18 team is and, and how it could be better than last year's 17 team. And I'm sure I'm asking you this same question you've heard a 1,010 times at this point, but uh, the fact of the matter is it hasn't happened since 2000 where a team has repeated. The Yankees went 98-99-2000. Is your belief in the guys and your belief in that room and how tight they are one of the reasons why you don't think there's any chance there could be that hangover effect? Yeah. Well, I, I think the talent helps. I, I also think that you just have to play the games. I mean, I, we can't really talk about the end result. We can talk about the end result of 2017. We know what happened. We won the World Series, and everybody was happy. You know what it took to get there was some, some good times and not so good times as well. And so I, I think you have to be careful to talk about the end result before you even right. play a game. And, and, and our guys have a good perspective um, that they're going to show up, they're going to prepare, they're going to do their part. Now, we have the talent to win. We're going to embrace the expectations. There's going to be a lot of people that pick us. 
Um, even though I know the Red Sox have a higher payroll and the Yankees are, are the pick to click a little bit um, with a new addition of Stanton. So the American League is going to be really challenging, but I, I do believe that we have the best team on paper and we have to own that, but then we have to go out and play it and win it. It took us 100 games to win the division last year. I mean, 100 wins to, 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 to solidify and win the division, and we want it going away. Um, that doesn't come for free, and that's not going to come in April. We've got to put a lot of months together to to do it again. Speaking of the end result, and you've been a baseball lifer, so you probably already realized this, but maybe going through it last year, you realize it even more. The microscopic line there is between a world championship and being one of the other teams, whether it was, you know, the Bregman versus Sale matchup, or Bregman throwing out Bird at home plate, or Marwin's home run in game two, so many, or Verlander in an elimination game six when the Yankees had all the momentum. I mean, any one of these things. It easily could have gone the wrong way. I mean, you guys, sure. you guys had a lot of things go. Your, did you appreciate that even more? How thin that line is now? Sure, because in 2015 there was a ground ball up the middle that yep. ended up turning into a six or seven run inning in the in game four. Where we thought going away we were going to win that series, and we were in position to, and it turned in a heartbeat. You know, we go to Yankee Stadium last year in the middle of the playoffs, um, up I think what was it three games to nothing or no two games two or, to nothing, nothing. Yeah. end up coming home with an elimination game and if Todd Frazier's ball leaves the yard that he hit off Justin Verlander we're not talking about a World Series championship so um, there are a lot of twists and turns throughout the season which is why you know you'll be paid to talk about a lot of different things <laughs> I'm paid to talk about today and that right. that's where we have to keep our mindset you have to keep your your head where your feet are mm-hmm. and our feet are going to be at, at, at every particular stadium and every particular game and. And we need to put a winning series together to get a winning week and a winning month and then ultimately a winning season. We have the team uh, to have a successful season. Where that leads us to is going to take a lot of turns along the way. One thing you mentioned at the beginning of the show that I, I think goes overlooked with this team is some of these guys are still growing. And, and I don't think we've seen Bregman's best season. I don't mm-hmm. think we've seen Correa's best season. Uh, that. That gives you even more hope than after those guys showed what they could do last postseason. No, I don't think we've seen Springer's best season, and I actually think Altuve can get better in, in certain areas. Now, most people are going to run right to batting average or OPS or home runs or stolen bases, and I'm talking about um, you know a few more things on the bases, or I'm talking Altuve with some of his turns. He's going to win another gold glove. Mm-hmm. Um, if he can do the gold glove and the silver slugger and the MVP in the same year, then maybe he can't get better. That might be the, 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 <laughs> the pinnacle of his career, but... We, we are going to get a little bit better. Lance McCullers has shown some flashes of getting better. Um, you know, and, and I think that, that our bullpen, um, as we sort things out, is going to get a little bit better. So I, you know, I think our team understands that our sport, you're never going to master it. You're never going to be um, the best version of yourself. you just got to try to get incrementally better along the way. And um, Watch out. If Correa you know, is, is as motivated to be an MVP like his partner's got at second base, um, you know, he can carry a complete, an, an entire franchise on his back. So... We'll see where, where it leads us, but the, the youthfulness is on our side, which is one of the things reasons I'm optimistic is we, we have some young stars that um, are just starting to, to understand what they can do at this level. Yeah, it's, um, it's an impressive team, and you try not to get the expectations too high, but it's hard not to look at this uh, division and, and hope that they can repeat again. When you guys got out to that start last year, it kind of afforded you a nice luxury that you don't always see where you could – Kind of take your time with a McCullers or a Keiko coming off the DL. You could also give guys, McCann went on the DL a couple times once with a concussion. You could give guys a little more of a breather than maybe you would if you were locked into a, a battle for the playoffs. Well, I, you know, I think that's, a, again, something else that's never talked about. When you when you talk about the end result of the season, we won the division, um, which was fun to celebrate in, in, in at Minute Maid. We won, um, you know, the, 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 the Boston series, the Yankee series, and then ultimately the World Series. 
But it wasn't a magic carpet ride. We didn't just show up in, in, in April and have this this picture-perfect season. We had a lot of guys get hurt, and it, um, it took a, a larger roster than people understand to get to the finish line, and even, even the World Series. Last year at this time, we didn't have Justin Verlander. We didn't have Francisco Liriano, who... Love him or not, he, he was a guy that got big outs in the World Series in Game 6 and Game 7. So I don't know what the prediction is going to be. Is it Forrest Whitley? Is it Kyle Tucker? Is it a trade? Um, is it Francis Martez going down to AAA and learning how to start and then filling in for uh, an injury that's going to happen uh, somewhere along the way? I don't know which, which player is going to surprise us, but we don't know everything right now as to what's going to happen over the next six months. Also didn't have Garrett Cole at this time last year. Hey, before we forget, special thanks to John Smith, uh, Ariel Klein, everybody here with Duffy Sports Grill in West Palm Beach on Clematis Street. It's been our spring training home for Astro Line and the spot for fans to follow the Astros all season long. And also, we would be remiss if we didn't thank Carbach Brewing Company, our longtime partner and sponsor of Astro Line, uh, your official off-season hot stove show. This is our final Astro Line show. We want to make sure you follow Carbach Brewing Company on social media by visiting carbachbrewing.com. AJ, we're down to our final minute and a half on this show. When you look forward to the next week, uh, at what point do you gather the guys uh, and and do you do a speech before the season? What's left for the rest of the uh, before we ramp up for a week? Yeah, we have a weird week ahead where we have a split squad in Fort Myers and one game here. Uh, we won't be together as a team again until probably Sunday. And we get on a plane, we get back to Houston. I think when we get back to Houston on Monday, you move into your locker, you move back, and I'll move back into my office. The coaches will go into their areas. That's when it gets real. We'll have a couple more conversations. We're going to cut a couple guys that are um, are thinking they're going to be on our team, and they're and they're simply we don't have room, but. Um, at that point, we'll, we'll talk about the season. But you know what? To be honest with you, this team doesn't need motivation. <laughs> they don't need a big a big speech. They need uh, to be kept in perspective. And the perspective is going to be we, we start the season next Thursday um, against our arch rival, and we need to get off to a good start. And Friday, you are actually going to the other coast, right? You're going to be down to yeah, Fort, Fort Myers. And it's a big rivalry for between you and Joe Espada. The first, <laughs> first, you guys, first day you had a split squad. He lost 13 nothing. You won on TV. And then the roles were reversed the second time, so this is the tiebreaker. Huh? We did, and we had a little draft, and I think he, he he took some of the big boys up the middle, but I took some of the young stars we're talking about, and we're going to go over and take care of the Twins, take care of the Red Sox, and I'll come back uh, fully expecting to, to have dominated Joe Espada. AJ, we look forward to a week from tomorrow, you dominating the Texas Rangers on opening day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, brother. All right. AJ Hitch, our special guest tonight. That is our final Astro Line show. Special thanks to Matt Boltz, who is with us all season long on Astro Live. Don't forget, coming up next, it'll be a replay of this afternoon's game with the Astros and Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the call. Coming up next against the Washington Nationals. Astro Live. You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 Astro Live, the Astros' official off-season show. Presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astro Live. Hear your world champion Houston Astros go for the repeat on Sports Talk 790, home of the Strohs.